0: Do you know how many UPI transactions were recorded in 2023? More than 100 billion. The month of December alone saw more than 12 billion transactions. Now these numbers are testament to how UPI or the Unified Payments Interface has revolutionized the way we use money. I mean, it's come to a point where we don't even think twice about creating financial connections with strangers through UPI. There are more than 300 million users in India using UPI freely to carry out their financial transactions. But did you know that your bank can block your account without warning or any explanation based on your UPI transactions? And what's worse, you could even come under the radar of law enforcement authorities like the cybercrime police. Anyone who even unknowingly makes a transaction directly or indirectly with a fraudster can be considered suspicious by authorities. Banks and law enforcement agencies, meanwhile, still have not managed to figure out a standard operating procedure in dealing with such matters. And this has led them to adopt a block-first-and-ask-questions-later kind of an approach that has been making the lives of innocent victims of financial crimes even harder. Welcome to Daybreak, a business podcast from the Ken. I'm your host, Nikdar Sharma, and I don't chase the news cycle. Instead, thrice a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I will come to you with one business story that is worth understanding and worth your time. Today is Monday, the 8th of January. Imagine a colleague has a medical emergency and asks to borrow some money from you. You make a UPI transfer of 15,000 rupees. Later, the said colleague returns the money to you again via UPI. And the next thing you know, you cannot make any transactions. The message you see keeps alternating between payment was declined due to a technical error or bank declined this payment. You make frantic calls to your bank but to no avail. Finally, you pull out some connections and get in touch with a senior official at your bank. And they tell you, you, sir, are being investigated by the Gujarat Cyber Police. For what? The bank official has no answer. Sounds straight out of a crime show, right? Unfortunately, it happened for real to Arif, an operations executive at a Bangalore-based startup who spoke to the Kent's deputy editor, Arundhati Ramanathan. He only wanted to reveal his first name. And what's worst is that similar things are happening to many, many people across the country. Now, it is not far-fetched to think of UPI as a kind of a social media platform. You can add people, you can even send messages. As of now, there are more than 300 million users on the platform. But do we exercise the same amount of caution on UPI as we do on our social media apps? I'll take the liberty to say no on behalf of most people. I don't. I honestly never thought of it like that. So is RF to blame or others like him to blame? Not entirely, right? Digital payment is super convenient. Sometimes I don't even carry a wallet with me when I go out to buy groceries because all the vendors that I buy from accept UPI payments. And that means that UPI is rapidly replacing previously cash-only interactions like buying groceries or paying for a cab. But since these are small-ticket, high-frequency transactions, UPI users like us regularly engage with strangers to make or receive payments. And like Arif, there are many people who were unfortunate enough to have made transactions with fraudsters on UPI. As you can tell, this nonchalant approach comes with serious consequences. These UPI users are being tagged as suspicious and are seeing their bank accounts get frozen. And if you think they can always call the banks and have it fixed, it is not that easy. In fact, it is far from easy. Let me begin by telling you about some instances of the ordeal that folks have had to face because of UPI transactions. Anand is a Bangalore based co founder of DeepStrat, a risk mitigation and cyber security advisory. And yes, I know what you're thinking, the INE is not lost. For Anand, it was a sum of 125 rupees that he received via phone pay into his SBI account that got his bank account blocked. After trying to make a transaction a bunch of times, Anand called the phone pay customer care where he learned that the bank was behind the decision to block his account. So Anand went to his bank. But his local branch manager gave an unclear reason, saying that it could have been because either a KYC or Know Your Customer was not done or because the account was flagged as suspicious. The bank manager did not have any other details to offer except that the bank had received a trigger to block his account. After several trips to the bank and another round of a full KYC, the freeze on Anand's account was finally lifted. While the blocked account was not a primary one for Anand, Arif was not that lucky. He had two of his bank accounts frozen. One was with Axis Bank into which his colleague had transferred the money that had been flagged as suspicious and the other was with Citibank which is also his primary account and it was also blocked after he transferred the 15,000 sum from Axis Bank to Citibank. After many calls and a lot of anxiety, he found out through his bank that he was being investigated by the Gujarat Cybersecurity Police. He tried everything but his accounts remained frozen and he could not even pay his children's school fee on time. So why are innocent people like Arif getting trapped into this whole web of UPI fraud? Stay tuned to find out. let's look at how banks decide to freeze an account in the first place. A risk officer at a bank actually explained it to us. He said that there are a few scenarios in which it happens. It could be when a customer reports a fraud. It could also be when a bank identifies fraudulent activity on its own in a customer's account. Then, it could also happen if a customer cannot be reached by the bank in case of suspicious transactions in the account. And finally, when there is a law enforcement order or from any other statutory body. In such a case, orders can range from a debit freeze, which means that the account holder cannot draw money but can receive money. It could also be a lien mark where the amount under suspicion is held. And then there could be a total freeze when no credit or debit can be made. Arundhati spoke to KVM Prasad, the Deputy Superintendent of Police for Cyber Security Bureau in Telangana. And he told us that most investigating officers ask for a debit freeze. Even a risk officer at a bank confirmed this to us. Banks can also execute a freeze when there is a cyber complaint made through a cybercrime monitoring portal about their customer being suspicious. Many have been caught in this crossfire between law enforcement agencies and banks' efforts to recover money which has been emptied out of cyber fraud victims' bank accounts. Numerous such cases were documented in Kerala this year alone. Prasad told us that when money is stolen from a victim's account, it goes through multiple bank accounts before fraudsters finally withdraw it. So in chasing this trail, investigators in some cases need to examine bank accounts four or five levels deeper than the fraudster's account. Also, it is important to remember that the police are also rushing to act on the complaint within the 24-hour golden hour time period. This is to help recover proceeds or at least analyse the nature of the money trail. A former compliance executive at a mid-sized bank told us that the pressure to act in this window, along with banks being overly cautious, is also a reason why we are seeing a block first ask questions later kind of approach. And we all know that in such an investigation, in general, beneficiaries of crime proceeds are under suspicion and they are the ones considered as fraudsters. Because of this, innocent people who either directly get crime proceeds from a fraudster or receive money from someone who was exposed to a fraudster are also treated as suspicious. In May, UPI saw 9 billion transactions. Even if a tiny percentage of these are linked to a fraudster, the number of those flagged as suspicious would run into thousands. Now, you may want to ask, what is the government doing? In 2019, the Ministry of Home Affairs set up a national cybercrime reporting portal along with a toll-free helpline number, 1930, for immediate reporting of financial frauds. Remember the number just in case, it's 1930. Since then, until 2022, more than 175,000 complaints were lodged. But only 10-15% to of these complaints are solved on an average. Officials from banks, the NCPI or the National Payments Corporation of India, which is the body that runs UPI, and the cyber police say that even if the scale of innocent people getting caught in this fraudulent money trail is small, such cases come up as collateral damage. Coming up next, but for those who are hit by this, What follows is a nerve-wracking experience, and the road to recourse is full of obstacles. From facing the criminal liability of cheques bouncing to risking default on loan payments, the real-world implications of not being able to operate a bank account makes this a significant setback for those who are affected. In the cases that the Ken looked at, what was also seen was a lack of communication and uniform standard operating procedure among banks involved in these cases. This means that the onus of proving innocence lies with those whose accounts were blocked. Plus, it changes the way we look at payment safety. It is not just a transaction-related risk anymore. Now, it is an identity-related risk. Meaning, we should probably start looking at it as a you-are-who-you-transact-with kind of a situation. To know more about this, don't forget to read Arundhati's eye-opening report that I have linked to the show notes of this episode. Daybreak is produced from the newsroom of The Ken, India's first subscriber-focused business news platform. What you're listening to is just a small sample of our subscriber-only offerings. A full subscription unlocks daily long-form feature stories, newsletters, subscriber-only apps, and podcast extras. Head to theken.com and click on the red subscribe button on the top of the website. I am Snigdha Sharma, your host, and today's episode was edited by my colleague Rajiv C N.